Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hey guys, before we start, I have a funny anecdote to tell you. Some of you may have seen this on Twitter, but I'm sharing in case you didn't. In the Uber on my way to this interview in Berlin, my driver was talking to someone via speakerphone in a foreign language, and I suddenly realized they kept saying Bitcoin. My driver spoke limited English, but when he got off the phone, I somehow figured out that he sells Bitcoin and he kept asking me if I wanted to buy. I tried to explain that I'm a journalist or reporter, but he just seemed to be parroting the words back to me. So I, I wasn't quite sure if he actually got it. But regardless, I just thought it was a hilariously fitting incident on my ride to one of the oldest establishments to accept Bitcoin. I hope you enjoy this great interview. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they say on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. If you aren't receiving my weekly email newsletter, go to unchainedpodcast.com to sign up. And don't forget that Unchained and Unconfirmed are now on YouTube. You can go subscribe there to be alerted to all the latest episodes of both podcasts. CypherTrace cutting-edge cryptocurrency intelligence powers anti-money laundering, blockchain analytics, and threat intel. Leading exchanges, virtual currency businesses, banks, and regulators themselves use CypherTrace to comply with regulation and to monitor compliance. Crypto.com is the place you can buy crypto at true cost. Earn up to 8% per year on your BTC, ETH, XRP, and more. Install the Crypto.com app now. Today's guest is Jörg Platzer, crypto anarchist and owner of Room 77, a bar in Berlin which accepts Bitcoin. Welcome, Jörg. Hey, Laura, and thank you for coming over to the room. You began accepting Bitcoin at this bar eight years ago, which is practically prehistoric times in crypto. How did you come to accept Bitcoin at that time? Um, the reason is that I was interested in digital currency, electronic cash, um, already two decades before the inception of Bitcoin. There was a small but vibrant global digital cash scene that had staged around 200 projects trying to create what we had understood back in the 90s, late 80s. Um, namely to use cryptography to create a decentralized digital money. And all these projects failed either due to techni technological reasons or due to government shutting them down. Um, and when Bitcoin turned up, uh, it, it didn't take long before many of us, under uh, many of us understood that A, this works and B, this cannot be shut down. So naturally, um, we were like, wow, it's finally happening. Here it is. It's happening in our lifetime. So of course, my first thing was like, I'm going to accept this as payment. Um, it's, it, it's a, it's a great idea. Best money I've seen before. Of course, I want to have it. What best idea is to sell burgers and beer for it. And so at that time, though, because it was 2011, how did you accept Bitcoin? I mean, we, we didn't have all the tools that we have now. Um, 
Indeed, the first payments here were made by people who brought their laptops, typed in 34 digits manually, or asked me to send them a payment address via email or something like that. Next uh, step in efficiency was a, was a Bitcoin address shortener. So you would only have to type in a short URL into your web browser to get our payment address until Andreas Schildbach, um, who was one of the very first people here joining the, uh, the, the first Bitcoin meetup, um, wrote the first mobile wallet for Bitcoin, the, uh, Bitcoin wallet for Android because he didn't want to bring, have to bring his laptop here anymore. Well, yeah, and the rest is history. Wow. And when was that that he created that? That must have been 2011. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a long time ago, especially after all this development. So do you convert the, the Bitcoin immediately to euros or do you keep it in Bitcoin? Of course, we keep it in Bitcoin as long as we can. Of course, we also have to pay taxes. So we have to sell Bitcoin now and then to do so. And how many Bitcoin purchases do you typically get a night? I would guess around 5 to 10% on a on a normal night, whereas when we have Bitcoin events here or, for example, we run the longest running bitcoin meetup um on the on the planet um then you it's it's rather 60 70 80 percent on a night like that and does people's willingness to spend their bitcoin correlate with the markets in any way not their willingness to spend it but uh, the interest in bitcoin clearly correlates with them um, with the market price of bitcoin whereas then you you uh, the higher the price the more uh, people who are actually not enthusiastic about a free decentralized money for the world, but more interested in making some capital gains. Um, yeah. And they like come here and they ask questions about it? Or? Of course. Um, the higher the price, um, the fuller um, or the, 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 the more crowded the Bitcoin meetup, which uh, is quite annoying to many of the old Bitcoiners who gather here to actually talk about technology and don't want to have a camera put in their face, a journalist asking them how rich they are or some kind of shitcoin um, promoter sitting next to them telling them about what the next Bitcoin will be or something like that. So actually, Bitcoiners uh, enjoy the Bitcoin meetups here a lot more when the price is low. I I totally relate to that. Um, so then, what are the demographics of the people that typically come here to spend it, and or and also how have they changed over time? There is no typical or prototype Bitcoin user. Literally. Um, what has changed over time is, uh, but that's visible everywhere on conferences and, and, and anywhere else in, in the Bitcoin space is, um, that you have people with suits and with ties uh, who talk about regulatory compliance and the importance of uh, being okay with the SEC and so on and so on. Uh, those people weren't in Bitcoin in the early days. Okay. And so is that why I saw the sign? You discourage payments from Coinbase Circle and BitPay? Uh, not particularly. The reason for that is that, um, well, Bitcoin has been built as the first digital bearer asset the world has seen. 
I find it quite absurd to put that into a bank. Coinbase is a bank. They hold your money. They initiate transactions for you. They receive transactions for you. Um, that's one point. The other point is that when, when people pay me from their Coinbase wallet, they actually don't pay me. Um, uh, what they actually do is, you know, they show me the screen. I tell them, I cannot see your payment on the blockchain or, or in the mempool. And they say, but, I, but I sent you the money. They show me their little Coinbase screen. Say, send. And I tell them, no, you did not send me money. You asked your banker to maybe send me money, and your banker has not sent that money yet. But that's still not the reason. The actual reason is um, coin, especially Coinbase, but also the other, um, the other compliant uh, Bitcoin banks, as I would call them, um, they actually survey their customers not only as much as banks do, but even more than banks do due to the nature of the blockchain because they can. Um, let me explain. If you take uh, 10 euros out of the bank ATM and go somewhere and spend it, on marijuana or on on gambling or whatever, the banker doesn't know. Um, in the in the Bitcoin space, the banker does know. Coinbase can see what you do with your money after you took it, after you withdrew it from the, uh, your online account into your private wallet. They will follow the money over several hops, and they will um, enforce United States laws everywhere else on the planet. Uh, example here is it, is it is legal in Germany to make a bet on a soccer game. It is illegal in the United States. So if you pay me with your Coinbase wallet and I next day f feel like spending some of that money, which is now my money, um, on something that is legal in Germany but illegal in the United States, then Coinbase very likely will shut down your account. Um, so uh, we actually did that for fun a couple of times, um, and yeah, and that's why we have to sign. It's just um, there is literally no point of uh, leaving your Bitcoin in any custodial system um, and give up give up your voting rights, give up your your uh, evaluation power, and so on. And we just want to discourage that. And. Did you figure that out because like customers weren't happy after they realized that they're that they made a payment to you and they're oh no you just have to no. go you just have to go online you find find thousands of stories of people who had their their, their account shut down and tried to oh, find oh. out why and um, realized oh my god I did this or that or whatever so you basically kind of knew and that's why you put the sign up yeah and it's also. Um, Due to my reputation, I, I, I authored an O'Reilly about Bitcoin five years ago in Germany. Um, and due to my reputation here, I do get invited by government officials for panel discussions and stuff like that. Also by law, enforce, law enforcement people invited me um, and so on. And I do know, as a matter of fact, that Coinbase and other... Um, online Bitcoin custodians do actually offer the regulators in Brussels um, to survey their customers. They, they actually say, um, we, can, we can follow the money much better even than banks, and that's what we're, of course, going to do, and so on. 
Right, which is against your philosophy. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to discuss some other exciting things, such as his Lightning Network point-of-sale device. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Crypto.com is the place you can buy crypto at true cost. You can buy over 40 coins at the lowest possible prices with no fees and no markups. At Crypto.com, we grow your crypto for you, too. You can earn up to 8% per year on BTC, ETH, XRP, and more when you deposit in any of the one-month, three-month, or flexible terms. Download the Crypto.com app on iOS or Android now. Will the world follow France and advocate banning privacy coins? Will government-backed stablecoins become the new fiat? Are distributed and peer-to-peer exchanges just a flash in the pan? The answer is maybe. Virtual currencies can flourish and create a new, private, and more versatile economy. But that grand vision can't happen without keeping crypto clean. And that requires support of governments and accountability for bad actors. Privacy-enhanced compliance using cryptographic controls has the potential to preserve anonymity without compromising legitimate investigations. CypherTrace is working on this vision of the future. Sign up to stay up to date on the privacy-enhanced compliance initiative and receive authoritative crypto AML reports quarterly. www.cyphertrace.com slash keep crypto clean. Back to my conversation with Jörg Platzer of Room 77. Have you gotten other businesses in this area interested in accepting Bitcoin? Oh, we did in the early days. Um, this used to be called the Bitcoin Keats because we actually went out. That was in the early enthusiastic times, 2012, 2013. Um, we did actually walk out and try to convince other bar owners, shop owners here on the street, um, to accept Bitcoin. We had, we had an enabler team that we sent there to check their infrastructure. How could these people accept Bitcoin? Are we going to set it up for them? Explain to them and so on. And it was like two dozens, maybe three dozens of shops in this area accepting Bitcoin. Um, they are mostly not here anymore. This whole area is undergoing a very heavy gentrification process. So it's not that people gave up accepting Bitcoin, it's literally the business has changed. And we stopped doing it after a certain time as well, because it was uh, quite a lot of work on one hand. And on the other hand, we realized that most of these businesses didn't get any significant Bitcoin payments. Oh. Um, they None of them had the success as, as the room had, kind of naturally, because... All of that history, that Bitcoin history that has been written at Room 77 makes Bitcoin enthusiasts want to come here and pay in Bitcoin. Um, and other shops don't have that um, advantage. So it was in 2012-13 that was not very successful. Even though there is one or another bar owner who did get enough Bitcoin business back then uh, that they actually thank me today. Mm, they kept Just it. Let me put it this way, yeah. Oh wow. It it was it was not enough back then to cash it out, let me put it. Right, this right, way. right, right, right. It was just much like why should I care? why should I do this for these twenty five euros, just leave it in the wallet and then wow. <laughs> a few years pass by. I love that. That's great. That's funny. So um I know, you know, you just mentioned the meetups. Have there been other businesses that have come out of the community, I guess, that has been fostered here? <sighs> 
Out of the community, of Or course. Just, yeah. Of course. I mean, there's there's many um, Berliner startups um, that came out of this community. That doesn't mean they came out of the room, but the room was always kind of the central the central place for this community. Right. right. right? I mean, like the meetups, like just people meeting here, or of course. Um, You have the once a month meeting of Bitcoin enthusiasts and years later you have a lot of startups um, where many of these enthusiasts are cooperating and are being partners now. Um, yeah, I guess uh, the hangouts at Room 77 um, did their part for and that. And you also mentioned local Bitcoins got... Well, I mentioned that because of Jeremiah Kangas... Um, was also one of the very first um, visitors to the Bitcoin meetup, to the early Bitcoin meetup here. And is he a co-founder of, of, of Local Bitcoins? Or? He is the founder of Local Bitcoins. Oh, okay. He is LocalBitcoins.com. Uh, okay. um, and he was hanging out in those, what we called Crypto Summer of 2012 and 13. And he was hanging out here. Uh, yeah, and uh, inventing LocalBitcoins.com on table number two here, I for love example. It. And you also mentioned Vitalik Buterin came here. Well, the saying goes, you know, um, before Ethereum, Vitalik was actually trying to convince the rest of the Bitcoin community and especially the Bitcoin de core developers um, that uh, smart contracting capabilities should be implemented in Bitcoin, but nobody else wanted that. So apparently um, at a meeting here at the room, he decided to make his own coin. Um, that's what I have heard from the Ethereum people. Oh, and, okay. and I do know that uh, they all did hang out here back in the days. Oh, okay, I can ask him. We actually we had it this one summer, uh, um, we called it the Bitcoin group therapy because uh, Bitcoin people from all over the world kind of were in Berlin and we went, for example, to, Tem to the Tempelhofer field and sat down in the sun in a, in a, in a big circle um, and everybody introduced themselves. Hi, I'm working on this and that project. Hi, and then, until, somebody said, un until somebody got up and was like, hi, I think this looks like a group therapy. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> um, funny. Yeah. Vitalik was there too. Okay. And so now I think the new thing that you're working on is this lightning network point of sale device. Can you talk about that? Well, I'm not particularly working on it, but um, the people working on it are inspired by Room 77. So um, we did have the first routed lightning payment in a shop on testnet. We had the first routed lightning payment on mainnet. When was that? That must have been a year ago or something. Oh wow! Last last year in summer, there was a there was a lightning hackathon here in Berlin, and the guys actually on Friday evening came together and said, "We want to be able to pay at Room Seventy Seven on Sunday evening to a POS system." And Sunday evening it was done, um, but that was still a custodial system. And what uh, Christian Rotzoll and his friend Ben have now built, it's this little device line here on the table that I showed you before. It's literally the first um, non-custodial lightning payment P2P 
POS system that does not hold its own keys. That mean it can break here, it can be stolen or whatever. Nobody has access to our um, Lightning channel, but we can still um, accept Lightning payments here through that thing. Oh wow, that's so cool. That is a that is a huge step. And uh, Christian and Ben did a great job. Um, creating the thing it took them quite a while so uh, all the credit goes to them the only credit that goes to me is sitting there and whining about when can i have my lightning pr system you promised me <laughs> you know? so yeah so how many transactions have you done via lightning uh, via lightning i can't i can't tell you uh, on this thing less than a dozen or something because it's like literally brand new it only it it, it had its first kind of um, real world deployment on the last Bitcoin meetup here two weeks ago. Oh, okay. And right now we are we having a summer break, so we're only open for the Bitcoin meetups. Oh, uh, that's why. Yeah. I see. All right. So, but when when people want to use it, do they tell you specifically? I want to pay you via Lightning. Yeah. That, oh, okay. We we actually when somebody says Bit, I want to pay in Bitcoin, we actually ask on chain or Lightning. Oh, okay. And it's, in, it's incredible, uh, how fast, um, lightning, mobile lightning wallets are spreading because I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised how many people already pay in lightning. If, if our lightning, because you know, it, it, it was still kind of bumpy and sometimes not working, uh, not talking about this device, but the, the iterations before, um, people actually complained that they cannot pay in lightning and were like, what the hell is going on? I'm on room 77 and your lightning is servers down. So, yeah. It's funny. Well, they're on the very cutting edge. Um, so are there any downsides, downsides to accepting Bitcoin as a merchant? I would not see any. If you're not the first, um, downside to room 77 is that whenever, um, uh, a person from the, from, from the financial authorities, a tax auditor looks at our place, Bitcoin jumps into their face and uh, triggers all kinds of uh, associations with black money and and money laundering and whatever so i believe we are the most audited bar at least in germany we get every extra audit you know um and the auditors look at me like oh did you they asked really not very competent question about bitcoin and so on and you know i i once told an auditor lady who kind of tried to imply that we probably cheating taxes with bitcoin um i told her that i take this as a personal offense that she thinks that i'm stupid enough to cheat taxes with the 5% of payments that we take in Bitcoin and not with the 95% in Euro cash money, right? I, I literally think it's, it's an insult to me to, to think I'm so stupid. Um, but yeah, it doesn't help. But no, normally there's, there's no, there should not be any downside uh, anymore. Uh, the, 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 the old days are over. Um, Bitcoin has arrived in society. Uh, even financial regulators more and more accept its accept its existence. They may like it or not, but they have to accept its existence. They have to accept that the people using Bitcoin are not criminals. Um, and so, I, I wouldn't 
think that there's any downside for any merchant nowadays to accept Bitcoin. And nowadays, the way that you accept it is preferably like an on-chain transaction. And is it just like you use QR codes to send it? Or mm -hmm. Oh, okay. But I don't care if it's an on-chain or a lightning transaction. Oh, right, right, right. But, you know, as we mentioned, there have been just a few lightning transactions. Um, so Berlin, obviously, has also been one of the main hubs for Ethereum development. Do you have any plans to accept Ethereum? Um, no. No. Why not? Um, because Ethereum does not seem to have the monetary qualities that I would expect from um, the better money, from a sound money. Um, <clears throat> that's the simple reason. And it, do you, but you do accept? I think I saw Monero. I, we do accept Monero. Uh, that's the only altcoin we accept. Uh, that has to do with the fact that I do believe that uh, anonymity, privacy and fungibility are actually the most important next steps that Bitcoin needs to achieve or needs to be optimized in. Um, Monero is an interim solution for that. Um, and I also really like the Monero community. It's um, a kind of a fun place. Um, so yeah, uh, for that, mainly for the reason of anonymity and functionality, we accept Monero. Whereas I have to say, in Monero, I also don't quite see the monetary qualities that Bitcoin offers, the monetary soundness. This is okay. purely for the, for the anonymity. All right. Well, listeners of my show, whoever visit Berlin, you definitely need to come to this bar. It, I mean, it's closed right now, but it still looks pretty awesome to me. Um, so, Jörg, thank you so much. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you for coming over to the room and have a good time in Berlin. I will. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Fractal Recording, Anthony Yoon, Daniel Nuss, and Rich Straffolino. Thanks for listening. <laughs>